Welcome to Airbus. Welcome to the Airbus podcast. We make it fly. In this series, we are focusing on all that matters in space, defense and security. I'm Matthias Pichili and in this episode I'm talking to Albert Falke, Program and Project Manager for Asteroid Deflection and Planetary Defense. Hello Albert, welcome. Hi Matthias, thanks for having me here today. If I look to your business card, it sounds you're doing screenplays for Hollywood movies, movies like Armageddon or Deep Impact, where humans are sent out into space to destroy asteroids. Are you doing movies or is it a real threat? Well, no, we are not doing movies. Although the threat we are dealing with is quite similar as the one addressed in, in blockbusters uh, like Deep Impact or uh, Armageddon. So we are really preparing uh, to protect the planet against asteroids which might impact the, the Earth's surface. And that's uh, a very interesting and fascinating topic because these are engineering activities and and tasks which have have never been tackled and done before so you are not bruce willis of airbus but still albert falke doing space systems indeed yes bruce willis would be too much to say but it's still interesting and uh, yeah it's motivating but there are still some popular people involved in asteroid deflection once a year people celebrate the asteroid day and commemorates uh, the asteroid impact in Siberia, known as the Tunguska event. And Asteroid Day organization was co-founded by popular people like Dr. Brian May, people know from the rock group Queen and others like the Apollo astronaut Rusty Schweikert. So a lot of people are working on this subject. Where do you fit in? Yeah, this is a, it's a common activity. Asteroid Day which has been founded uh, in the following years after the Chelyabinsk event and is now uh, celebrated each year. This is, a, let's say, a public awareness activity, basically. And they are supporting and fluting all the boats which are preparing in order to to help uh, and to improve any deflection activities which might become applicable in the future. So our side, our Airbus activities, are leading in order to, to prepare and design concrete deflection mission. This means a space mission, a spacecraft or several spacecraft, which are then able to, to send out to an asteroid and divert it uh, from its uh, threatening trajectory into the Earth atmosphere. And that's uh, yeah how we fit into this scenario. We, we have very good contact to all the asteroids community and are involved in, in several projects over the years, from technology development over base mission design concept developments, and finally also to, to short scenario or short warning scenario uh, deflection methods uh, concepts. So that means you're really working on solution to avoid such damage impacts they have been caused in, in Siberia, which was damage of more than 2,000 square kilometers and uh, destroying 80 million trees. So uh, this sounds heavy, but this was a rare populated area. But what will happen when it comes to a more populated area? Is that what you want to avoid? Indeed. Yeah. Luckily, the uh, Tunguska event in 1908 appeared uh, in a rare populated area, but it could also happen that the uh, 
same sized asteroid would explode over a, a metropolitan region. Let's call it uh, Berlin or New York or whatever. And then millions of people would have been affected and potentially killed uh, due to this activity. And in order to prevent such uh, events, which uh, have catastrophe like uh, consequences, um, we are going to prepare deflection missions, uh, which would help in, in such a scenario. Do you have any clue how many we, we can expect being so, so dangerous? Or do you have any idea about time? When can it happen? What is the scenario or the possibility you are looking on? The scientists are uh, working on this in, in manifold directions. The first objective is to discover all the objects. They expect, and this is all about statistics, they expect about 100,000 of objects, let's say, in the area which come closer to Earth uh, over the years. And up to now, we have only discovered about 20% of them. Most of the already discovered ones are the large and big ones, which are easy to observe from, from telescopes. But there are thousands and also millions of other ones which are way smaller, but still uh, have enough energy uh, and enough mass to destroy certain areas uh, like a metropolitan region or a smaller country. And this is uh, the objective what we really want to avoid. I look to the usual a realization time of a satellite or a spacecraft or a rocket takes years. If you find some, as you say, only 20% are known, becoming a threat, you don't have the time to do so. What's the basic idea to get it out of the way in time? The most important thing is to discover them as early as possible. And all of the discovered ones, the orbit information is known and their orbits are predicted over the next 100 or up to 200 years and if there is an intersection between those uh, forecasted trajectories and the earth orbit then a certain impact threat uh, is calculated and based on this information right now there are a couple of objects which are on the risk list but none of them requires immediate activity from humankind from the known object there is no real threat which is existing in the moment but based on the uh, discoveries There are three to 10 new discoveries each day. And those objects are then uh, observed for several times in the following days, which helps to determine their orbits even better. And this, in most cases, brings down any existing impact risk, which is the most realistic and most likely case. But if at some point of time, one of those new discovered objects ends up in a higher impact threat, then our chances to deflect them might be really required. So for instance, if we can calculate an impact risk in 20 years, then we have several options to deflect them because then we have time to develop, to build and to launch a deflection or a mitigation mission. For instance, there is the kinetic deflection method. This is something like a, a usual satellite, which is equipped with a specific targeting mechanism, which helps to guide the satellite with a very high velocity into the asteroid. And by this push, the trajectory of the asteroid is changed very, very small. You can compare it like a mosquito on the windshield of a car. It's really not much. But this small effect accumulates over time so that when the asteroid passes the Earth's orbit, 
um, the Earth is already away. Which kind of information besides the trajectory do you have in advance to calculate the, the mass and, and the consistence of the asteroid? Yeah, that's a crucial point. Um, a lot of scientists are working in this context. The scientists did a lot of modeling activities uh, based on the information they obtain from, from the telescopes. And last but not least, in the recent uh, time, there were some asteroid missions uh, which helped to gather way better information um, from the asteroids itself. So there's the Hayabusa 1 and 2 mission from, from the Japanese JAXA. There are also OSIRIS-REx from, from NASA. Um, and there are a lot of other flyby missions of, uh, of satellites and spacecrafts um, to asteroids and also comets, which help to specify and obtain more detailed information of the asteroid structure and how an asteroid would perhaps respond to a deflection attempt. And based of, on all of those uh, information, um, we can constrain the, the energy which we should not exceed in, in the order to not disrupt the asteroid itself. So we know that some of the asteroids are very loosely bound. So they, they are more or less uh, like a bunch of, of gravel um, tied together from the very weak, say, gravity uh, mechanisms over there. And also in this case, uh, such a kinetic impact method would not exceed the energy to disrupt it. Uh, and that's one of the most important uh, points, uh, which ensures that also the kinetic impact method is a safe one next also to, to other options, uh, like a very high energy explosion close to the object, which uh, could be done by hydrogen bombs or, or similar devices. So let's go through a specific scenario. If you have an asteroid coming into Earth, uh, possibly uh, on an impact course, so what are the concrete scenarios which have to start on Earth? Even in that case, if we have a very short warning time of three or five years, we already need to have a lot of deflection hardware prepared in our assembly and integration facilities. Because when we launch a satellite, it will travel through the space uh, up to half a year or one year and then impact the asteroid in order to deflect it. And after this impact, we need some time this is the order of month or even years uh, to let the, the deflection impulse work and accumulate over time so that the asteroid misses the Earth then. So and keeping this in mind, we need one or two years after uh, the launch of the satellite to, to let the, the asteroid uh, pass along Earth instead of impacting it. And therefore the prerequisites or the, the timeline from the asteroid discovery up to the deflection mission launch is really, really short. Uh, what we are looking for right now is only six months. And you might imagine that we cannot build or and even not develop, build and then launch a spacecraft in, in such a short time frame. Building a spacecraft is a, is a larger effort and requires more than a couple of years usually. And therefore, we more or less need to have this one already prepared uh, in the assembly and integration facilities and readily tested uh, to be launched in a very short time scale of just a few months. Who will fund such a mission? Because deflecting an asteroid is a global effort. We do not need only one mission. Every space agency uh, which is able to launch and operate such a mission 
is asked to support and contribute to this uh, common activity. In that case, we are really sure that at least a few of those missions will uh, succeed and provide sufficient deflection energy to avoid an asteroid impact. So you say asteroid threat, it's not a question, it's only a question of time. Yes, that's what I say. It's, it will take place. It's just, as, as you said, it's a matter of time. We may have uh, a couple of years or decades until the next one may impact, but it may also happen already tomorrow. We don't know yet. So as you're working with Airbus, and working on such projects, can you give us a glimpse where we stand today? Yes, of course. Um, yeah, we are working on this since uh, more than 10 years already, but there's still a lot of uh, things to do. The activities which we have done in the past, uh, we have been focused on, on pre-designing and uh, yeah, developing a scenario and a concept how such deflection or deflection demonstration missions could be realized. Uh, the last project where we are working on is called FastKD. Um, this is looking for a very short warning scenario um, deflection approach. And this is where we realize that we need to have a deflection spacecraft already prepared. Most of the hardware must be procured and already available and readily tested uh, for, for launch. And this is one of the, the most important things. But all the work that's is currently done is more or less paperwork and there's a lot of hardware work which still needs to be continued and further developed. What we have done also in parallel is I can say it's a more a pre-development of uh, the targeting uh, technology. Pre-development in terms of hardware test facilities and, and software coding and verification. This all looks quite good and the performance is as requested and yeah we would be able to further develop this and put it on a spacecraft. So do you have any assumption or personal opinion when you get off from the paper to so to speak to the workbench? This is not an engineering question. Technically we could do this uh, tomorrow. This is uh, there's nothing which stops us. It's just uh, that we need to get proper funding from the spacefaring uh, agencies uh, in order to get ready to get prepared and um, increase our uh, deflection capabilities over that deflection capability which the dinosaurs had. So they had no space program 65 million years ago. We have one, uh, but we are not yet there. There's still a couple of years to go and a lot of uh, work to be done. Thanks, Albert, for talking to you. Thanks, Matthias. That concludes this edition of We Make It Fly. If you have enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe us and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on all social media and use the hashtag WeMakeItFly to get in touch. We would appreciate your feedback. Thanks for listening.